This is the 55th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt, with me is my dear co-host Christopher Wikström. Our dear Robinson Sien is unable to join us this week as he has earned his vacation that is currently going on. Love to you, Robin, wherever in the country you are. Foremost, we are very happy to have you here, dear listeners. Hello everybody, I hope you're all doing well and uh, yeah... I can't wait to have Robin back on the pod. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Deck app, which just had a nice, huge update. You should really check it out if you haven't. It's a really good, really good piece of software right there. I really must say. In this episode, we are going to talk about some paper legacy played in the past week, as well as convening a slightly smaller, so duo version of the Basic Land Connoisseur panel to talk about Nickfit. But pay play first. Christopher, have you been shuffling anything since we last spoke? Uh, Not too much uh, when it comes to actual paper play. Uh, I have been uh, sitting at home and putting together some cool decks. I've been brewing a bit and uh, I'm really excited to try Displace a Kitten deck that I've got sleeved up. But we'll see. In a short future, I will be jamming some legacy again. But what about you, Victor? I heard something about you going to the LGS. I did go to the LGS last week and I brought my NickFit deck. And since it's been such a long time that I played it, I'm going to give a quick rundown of what NickFit means to me because this is a deck that has, let's just say, many faces. Do it, baby. <laughs> What's your spice? My spice is uh, the, the place at Veteran Explorers, of course, and then I play three Academy Rector and three Arena Rector. So I go for a double Rector package, three of each in the main deck. Then two Opposition Agents, two Grist, the Hunger Tide, one Karn, the Great Crater, one Vraska, Gulgari, Queen, one Ugin, the Spirit Dragger, and one Ugin, the Ineffable. Three copies of Swords to Plowshares, two Assassin's Trophy, one Vanishing Verse, four Cabal Therapy, Three Living Wish, two Pernicious Dread, one Curse of Death's Hold, one Curse of Misfortunes, one Overwhelming Splendor, and then one Ancient Tomb, one Bio, three Cavern of Souls, three Forests, two Plains, two Swamp, two Friction Tower, one Savannah, one Scrubland, four Verdant Catacombs, four Windswept Heath. And the sideboard, so we have three Living Wish and a Karn. So the sideboard is two Plague Engineer, one Academy Rector, one Arena Rector. So additional copies of both Rectors in the sides, as well as another Grist. And then one Liquid Metal Coating, one Sorcerer Spyglass, one Ensnaring Bridge, one Mycosynth Lattice, one Phyrexian Tower, and a playset of Leyland of the Void. So my spice currently of Nickfit is I want all the enchantments and the Planeswalkers. And the artifacts. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah, it's it's uh, super sweet. I really like the Living Wish package where you could either, you know, get a, a Rector, a Grist, you know, Plague Engineer if you're playing Elves, which has been uh, popping up more and more, in my opinion, recently. But also just getting that Phyrexian Tower is just beautiful. I would, I would do my best to squeeze in a Caracas in the sideboard also. It's... So good against so many decks to just go living wish when you haven't made a land drop and just play Caracas when you know it's going to be good. Yeah, I used to play Caracas and sometimes I still do. They sort of go in and out. I have another opposition agent in the sideboard, I should say. I forgot to mention that. I just saw it was below the line on my list. <laughs> it's like, uh, that was 14. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it too, and I was like, <laughs> did we mention this opposition agent? Now we have opposition agent is a really nice card, and basically having one on the side is actually not a target for the for the living wishes, sort of to board in. So, uh, would you like to tell us about uh, your matches? Yeah. So first. I shuffle up, haven't played this deck for a long time uh, in paper, so this was, uh, I was looking at sort of, how is this going to go? And first opponent is Turbo Deaths, and I realized pretty quickly what they're on, because they thought sees me early, and then play very sort of known Turbo Depths cards. So I'm thinking, okay, I need to be quick here and have a pretty good hand. I assemble a situation where I know my opponent will not have time to make Marit quick enough before I put an Arena Rector on the board and get it in the graveyard immediately to get Overwhelming Splendor on my turn. Problem though is that I draw the Overwhelming Splendor. <laughs> so that didn't work out, but things did work out in game two and three. In game two, I basically did assemble some pieces of the combo. Ugin, the, the big Ugin, got to ultimate at some point, and when when that happens, you sort of you, you you're getting there. Yeah, it's over. Well, actually, it wasn't over. He didn't scoop because it's, I have an out in my deck. I'm like, I'm sure you yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, he did, and you should play to them. And in the third game, he I keep. I'm like, uh, this is interesting because I get a hand of five lands, but all good lands like caverns, friction tower, fetches, one cabal therapy, and one. I think this is Assassin's Trophy. So I'm thinking sort of, unless this is, uh, you know, mega turn one on me, this is a pretty good hand. I can work with this. So my opponent goes, of course, turn one Thoughtseize and puts my Cabal Therapy in the graveyard. I'm like, oh man, this hand is so bad right now. This hand is really awful. Pass the turn and I rip Veteran Explorer. (laughs) Fetch a duel. Put the explorer on the battlefield. Cabal therapy. And opponent has five cards in hand. So I'm like, well, what's the, what's the best card for them? And I go like, okay, it's crop rotation. And they have three in hand. What the hell? <laughs> so not only do they help you with their uh, Fatsis, but then you get to just dunk on them. That's Yes, that was... Um, I felt super dirty. I don't know. This, this is not a PG... PG pod. No, this is this is adult content right here. From there, I did assemble the, the, the full Avengers team of Big Ugin, Little Ugin, Three Enchantments, Pernicious Deed, Opposition Agent. <laughs> and they still didn't scoop. Uh, Karn Lattice as well. Because they they have Force of Vigor. <laughs> so. Yeah, not with Karn, not with Karn Lattice. <laughs> because their cards are colorless then. So they can't pitch Force to Force of Vigor then. So it's it's just super lights out. Oh my god. Yeah, well. I, and the, it looked... I had a nice board. I took a picture uh, to show my grandkids. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So that was nice. And then in game two... I played uh, Death and Taxes. That feels like a matchup that I have many ways to win. And in game one, I did just that. I basically just got Ugin and they're like, okay, this is not going to work really well. (laughs) Something's happening and it's not good. Yeah, and also Pernicious Deed was an all-star in that game. And in game two, they win because they managed to actually tax me. I get in a situation where I do not have explorers running hot. I am mulligan to six. And Athalia prevents me from doing all the things I want in the toolbox. Sort of Cabal therapying is really expensive. Living Wish becomes super expensive. And I was stuck on three lands, basically. And that was... Uh, so they got me on that one. Sort of efficient, just, you know, vile Thalia 
let's go. And in game three, they moved to three. So it wasn't much of a game. Did you get them? I, I, I got them. I got there in the end. Did you go with turn one therapy, you know, in the blind for Vile? I, I basically, I think I made a turn one play that was good and they just scooped and said, well, let's just, I've had enough of this 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 deck right now. It's not giving <laughs> me the, the good stuff. It's rough. It happens, rockily, rarely. Yeah, a multi-free with that deck, that seems rare. No, but I did think that I was, uh, with the hand I kept, I was pretty confident I would have won on the play. Yeah, that does seem like a tricky matchup for them, I would say. Like, you're just doing really big, stupid things eventually, and they have to close with Caldera, pretty much, it feels like, and go fast. I'm I'm not sure, it feels like... uh, it feels like you're in a good spot. Yeah, I mean, they have stuff like, you know, Lion Sash, and they can sort of break up my, my combo pieces, but it's not the most efficient ways of, of doing so. And also, I can just... I don't need the combo pieces to, to sort of win. I can just get... I have so much removal, I have the pernicious deeds, etc. So, um, yeah, they have to be able to fight deed. through so many fronts. I know, and Deed feels like it's good again. And that's yeah, been a while. Great. For people who were really hype about Hiretsugu, like me included, like Deed is the OG. You just blow everything up but your own planeswalkers. And in a deck like this, that's uh, it's criminal. So what about round three then? Round three, I sit and play against true classic Esper Stoneblade. And if Death and Taxes was a matchup in where I have lots of avenues to win... Esper Stoneblade is a matchup where I have a lot of avenues to lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. That that Teferi into human you in your draw step. Oh man, Oof. it feels bad, man. I'm I'm not gonna lie, it feels really bad. When it comes to you know actually presenting a clock for a lot of people, when uh, when you get a veteran explorer or uh, an arena rector into play and you're Game plan is attacking on the ground with small creatures. If you're not a Swords to Plowshares deck, or you can't lean into Cauldra, which you can't block with those creatures anyway because they get exiled, then, you know, you're you're feeling pretty shitty if you have to bolt something like a Veteran Explorer. But Esper Stoneblade has both of those things. They do have Swords to Plowshares, and they have Cauldra, and Force of Wills. It just feels like a really hard deck to play against. Yeah, and Teferi, and Hume to Turok, everything. It was just, it was two two games. They were nice, but I felt like this is unwinnable. <laughs> because like this this deck is susceptible to, to, to discard and susceptible to counter magic. And this is, <laughs> and you face the deck that plays both <laughs> and also has these proactive things going on. You're just like, ah, this is... It's like bringing a banana to a gunfight. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. Sitting there in your corner, peeling. Yes. But I loved seeing Esper Stoneblade. It was just so great. And I asked my opponent afterwards, like, sort of, I mean, this deck, I haven't seen it for long. How does it feel to play it? He's like, no, but the deck is good. It's only that most other decks are just better. So it doesn't yeah. see much play. But, um, yeah. And one of, the, uh, one of the things you mentioned, the uh, Teferi Hymn thing, uh, one deck that has been popping off a bit recently as well is the Sheck Pile with uh, all colors but green which is running, you know, Hiretsugu, I think, uh, Call Against Command, Snapcasters, Teferi, Hymn, Inquisition. So they can do all of that nasty things in, in your draw step while just all of the, like the whole deck is two for ones. So it's a bit refreshing to see Esper Stoneblade, which is trying to fight a bit more 
fair, if you say that, uh, doing also those nasty things like humming you in draw step or you know stuff like that. It's nice. That was nice. It was a fun match. And then in fourth round, I face off against uh, local super end boss, The Hope. Oh, man. People these days know him more perhaps than they used to by his uh, MTGO handle, Delthar. He's currently sort of leading the leagues and uh, winning challenges and uh, i don't know he's just crushing it like he's he's always been crushing it but now he's trying a bit harder and it like yeah and the results are there just look him up he's he's insane so uh i'm gonna have a prediction here Mm -hmm. it's it didn't go as planned i mean the plan wasn't really to win, <laughs> but I'm gonna. I, That's always the plan. Yeah, I know. I, I did lose uh, against uh, the hope, but I'm gonna have you guess what he played. Okay. He he, he did. So it's non- he, he did play islands because he got them uh, off he did, of my. He played yeah, islands. Yeah, so he played islands. Guess what he played? Man. Okay. I'm shocked because he's he's been rocking non-blue for such a long time but if he played several islands jeskai undoing way more spicy way more spicy splinter twin even more spicy (laughs) more more spicy than splinter twin okay man this is hard if he would play a non-blue blue deck that would be merfolk (laughs) but i don't that's not spicier than splinter twin okay so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to give me a clue okay one of the key cards involves me having creatures on the battlefield. Or at least a creature. A creature. Oh, shit. He played the uh, split-second uh, packed deck. Southern Substitution. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that is that is spicy. But it's it's such a real deck, too. Yep. It Like, that new split-second thing is... Like, just crazy. Listeners who haven't faced this abomination of a deck, it centers around Sudden Substitution, which is from Commander 2019. So this is, a you know, three years in the running, this card. It's two and two blue for an instant split second. Exchange control of target non-creature spell and target creature. Then the spell's controller may choose new targets for it. So basically, if your opponent has a creature on the battlefield, you cast a pact they can't pay for and then you exchange the pact and the creature they have that you have so you sit up the pact but in the funny in the game too he was like he had summoner's pact he's like you can actually pay for this i can't <laughs> yeah he had to wait until he sort of he could draw a pack that i couldn't find mana for but he had so many so of course in the end um, he managed to do that quicker than i managed to assemble whatever because like ugin he doesn't really care and i have to put creatures no. on the battlefield to sort of you know get somewhere i just can't sit there and wait for eight turns because he plays that uh, orchard land that gives you creatures as well oh he's playing forbidden orchard main deck legacy staple yeah yeah definitely uh, a couple of years ago uh, a vintage all-star mm-hmm. in oath of druids which is still quite playable there i guess but uh, yeah um, by the way, a quick, uh, quick vintage quiz, Victor. What has become the primary win con of Oath of Druids in vintage? I'm just going to pass here. I'm not going to pretend I have any idea. It's a card you play in Reanimator. Arkan? Yeah, it's Arkan. And they board, and they board into uh, the, what's the emissary? Sarah's emissary. Because uh, a couple of decks like uh, Dredge and Shops can't beat it on creature. They just straight up lose. So that's uh, that's cute. But uh, the man, the hope, 
it's beautiful. It is beautiful. I mean, it does feel like sort of a bit of a glass cannony deck. Uh, but it plays blue, so you can protect your your glass cannon, but still fairly susceptible to a couple of sort of. I mean, I I I want I want to figure out what the matchup is against, say, I don't know, Sharbelcher or Storm or Oops or yeah. you know. Yeah, it does. It does feel like some matchups might not be great, but I guess in a shell like that, you could just either board some stuff in or just like it feels like you can have a lot of counter magic in a deck like that and like fluster storms yep. and stuff yep. like that so as long as you can just squeeze them a one one <laughs> with the with a forbidden orchard it does that's, have uh, um, quite nice yeah. southern substitution also has excellent flavor text oh read it bow before the might of oh, wait what shit where did i put the strix <laughs> yeah yeah, but that's super cool. Mm-hmm. No, so 2-2 two, two for uh, four rounds of Legacy. Uh, not unhappy with that result, actually, uh, with this deck, which is clearly in the tier 2.5 bracket. And since current Legacy also is so super opted, I was happy. Then, of course, Paper Play is probably not as opted, or rather not opted in the same way. But also, playing against the Hope made me think, like, should I put Summoning Pact in this deck? Would that be a thing? So I'm going to... Um, keep uh, keep tinkering with that there's one super cool thing that i'm trying to remember i think it was the hope but uh, i'll i'll check with him later but do you know what summoning trap is from Zendikar? Yeah, yeah 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 i think i can't remember if it was him but that used to be something that people put in uh, in their uh, like yeah. cloud post decks back in the day just to you know i'm gonna play a turn two something and they're like, I'm going to counter it. Okay, here's the summoning <laughs> trap and put, it, put you know, Primeval Titan or something in. But I saw that quite recently. This might be my memory being wrong, but I, I think it was uh, him, the Hope, who brought it up again. And that's just, you know, all the great vibes and flashbacks of uh, countering the wrong spell. <laughs> Let's go from jank to junk, which is the abs and colors. Maybe we have a smooth transition here. We do, because it's time to reconvene the basic land connoisseur panel. Speaking of Nickfit, I mean, Nickfit is, of course, a deck that more than most legacy decks has a focus on basic lands, as getting a lot of them onto the battlefield is essential to the strategy of then, uh, I mean, doing the big things you want to do. So the question is, of course, which basic lands do you want to get? And this is something I have been thinking about a lot, and I really need input here. So, Christopher, I'm going to have you go first. Which plains, swamp, and forest would you put if you were to play Nick Fit? Well, that's super tricky, but I went with a combination that I feel is quite nice. And you might hear some boos from the audience here, but they're all Eurolands, because... You're exploring something. You're uh, you're on a trip. You're on vacation. So I picked the swamp from Belgium, which has this. Uh, it's it's super purple, and there's this extremely still like water in it, like a not a river. What's the right word for that? It's more a ford. Yeah, something like that. And 
it's a very calm and nice it looks very soothing but it also looks like it's leading you to a new place it looks like it's it wants to take you somewhere and uh, when i think about nick fit it might be one of the least explosive black decks out there it does ramp and it does have fireworks but you have to travel a bit to get there it's not like dark ritual insert uh, Wincon here it's a, it's a process it's a journey so from this swamp you can see it's getting brighter at the end of the swamp or forest or wherever you are and that's where you step into the plains which is the scottish highlands plains by mike plug and the last one the swamp is scott bailey and here you see the path continue there's this uh, it, it's the scottish highlands <laughs> what can i say it's really pretty and it doesn't, for me, it doesn't yell planes. It's quite nice. It could have been a forest without any trees because it's, it's very green. But the journey continues and the end goal of you know, playing Nickfit is resolving your big things, which historically has been a lot of green creatures. So that's where we finally walk into the forest, which is Bronzeliand in France. And it's by Kev Walker. And this is uh, just a mesmerizing forest. It's very bright. And the path continues with trees, both on your left and right. And uh, for me, the reason why I wanted to put all these uh, together is that they're all leading somewhere. The journey doesn't end with the forest because the deck is not finished. When you have all these free in play, that's when the game starts. So uh, yeah, these were my free picks. What do you think about them, Victor? No, I love the story you tell here. Of course, marquee card of the deck being a veteran explorer uh, pretty sort of strongly goes into this uh, this as well. I mean, the swamp, uh, as you say, it's very purple. It's, it's, it's interesting because if it wasn't purple, say add basically any other color instead of the purple on the on the banks the, the the vegetation on the banks of this fort this is not a swamp anymore it becomes alive and, and happy but the purple makes it also kind of depressing like this is even though you have this and but also that makes the the light that you sort of see i mean the fort turns so you can't see the source of the light of course you uh, imagined it to be a sun it feels like a bit of a sunrise but the way that scott bailey has worked with the light in this in this in this drawing is that it really f- sort of warms up there behind this curve behind this corner uh, of this ford in this picture and you can just hint how some of the water is also colored by by this sunrise as if it's sort of you know 5:45 in the morning on a chill October morning where the sun is going to come out soon. And it's just the composition, the more I look at it, it just gets more and more beautiful. Yeah, especially thanks to that sunlight, you said. Yeah, and then it leads to your your Scottish Highlands, which is the Scottish Highlands depicted with sunlight, which I also think is interesting because usually the Scottish Highlands, it's basically green and grey because there is this trope about how it always rains in the Scottish Highlands. I mean, just watch Braveheart, everything important in that movie happens in, in sort of and it pours just watch the weather forecast for scotland any day i'm <laughs> just kidding but this is highlands in sunlight and it looks like it really looks like a bandland to me this is like forest plains and, and an island all in one 
but it, it's beautiful work and again here the working with the lighting uh, i think is, is really good and then you come to the the forest where the lighting also has an interesting it comes from above the treetops through the quite dense trees in the Brocéliande, which i assume is a french forest and uh, yeah no i i totally buy this this is um, and these also i mean they would look good together because since all of them are going to go on the battlefield if everything works out as it should you get to tell the whole story of the lands as well and i i like that concept and this is this is the funny part victor this is where you walked into my trap because it's actually the other way the journey goes. And this is where my dark twist comes. The veteran explorer starts in the forest. Then it walks in the plain and light is deserted. And then it meets its demise from the graveyard in Belgium. Perfect. Perfect. So that was the trap. 11 out of 10 for that one. Very good. <laughs> Knockout. Yeah, you should look, listener, you should look this up and look at them in that order. It's uh, it's art. But other pieces of art now, Victor. Tell us about your picks. Yeah, so as I said, I've been thinking a lot about what lands to play. I mean, currently I am defaulting to play beta lands in, in this deck because that always sort of works. But it doesn't sort of feel... They don't feel nick enough. It should be something else. I was thinking, should I get sort of... Because Veteran Explorer is from Weatherlight, so should I get lands from the Mirage block? But they don't fit at all. It just looks super off. Even though, of course, you have a very beautiful lightning storm planes in there, it, it doesn't really make it happen. And also sort of, okay, so Cabal Therapies from Judgment. Well, I mean, the, the lands there aren't also like the Odyssey lands. Sort of, they're nice, but they don't really fit here. I wanted also more of some kind of exploration journey. And, and, and I want the basic lands to matter and sort of you you want to see what happens when i have five of them on the battlefield and usually i rarely go for full art basic lands because i think they mismatch with the other lands that you have but for this one i'm actually gonna go there and this is my uh, the time for me to to whip out the kamigawa neon dynasty ukiyo e lands and they are interesting because there are two of each as you might have remembered from when we discussed these before two plains two forests two islands and so on and done in this beautiful ukiyo-e style and one of each of the basic lands depicts a city or some kind of cityscape and the other one depicts countryside or nature so i've taken the ones that are nature based so the plains is a strong sun in a a beautiful sky with uh, cherry blossom leaves blowing in the wind over farm fields uh, rice fields i assume so this is uh plain ukiyo-e plains 293 by Amayagido. It's probably not the correct pronunciation of that Japanese artist's name, but at least that's how close I got. And then the swamp, also then the nature swamp, 297, is by Aoi Maiko, uh, or perhaps Aoi Maiko. And that is basically the opposite of the plains. Like the plains is super light and sunny and blue and green and lush, and this swamp is moonlight and uh, some um, sort of swamp vegetation that's quite. Uh, sort of bleached in the foreground but the rest is just blue and black it's just fucking dark and then that would contrast again to the 301 forest by Ezui which is a super super duper busy piece of art this is a forest uh, and I this goes uh, in my understanding with the art style here it just happens so much in this picture while it's also a piece of 
almost abstract art. It doesn't. It's not super clear what is what in this one. I mean, uh, is that a tree or is that a forest spirit shaped in a weird thing? Is that a mouth or is it just the shape of a branch? You don't really know. You can lose yourself in this forest forever. And I also had at the LGST when I was done, and this is what sort of put the nail in the coffin for this decision for me, is that one of the players there had a deck with uh, the Kamigawa Neon Dynasty Ukiwe basic lands in the deck and they look so nice in real life like we've seen them a lot on sort of digital screens but the look of these lands when they are actually on the battlefield it's just gorgeous so i am putting down an order for a couple of these lands for my nickfit deck yeah i actually put down an order for jeskai color basics of the uh, ukoi today <laughs> before i knew that you uh, picked these and i i really love it and my my perception of them also changed when i saw them live for the first time i love 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 the the planes i first saw it by a dnt player at our lgs and then i saw i can't remember if it was a painter or a stompy deck with the uh, with the mountains the city in the mountains which is one of my favorite basics in a long time but going back to your story i really i really like how these like it's hard to identify a theme with these but it's also hard to identify a theme with nickfit because you have several roots of closing the game and when you look at the the white one you know, maybe you should get a, a an altar order to get your overwhelming splendor look a bit like the planes because that would be nasty. <laughs> but I do get some of the vibes, you know, like it's uh, it's just uh, mighty. But it also feels like the different explorers traveling the world sees the world very differently. The first one is very poetic. The second one is, you know, maybe a, a bit depressed or just appreciates the light in the dark. And then the third one is just exp- like a lot of expressions and abstract and just sees the world for what it is and maybe add things that aren't there. I just, I, I really like this pick. Um, I, I think they go well with Nickfit because you, it's one of the decks you can always do whatever you want with. And I would pick these up as well for, for Nickfit for sure. Yeah. And I think also with the Swamp and Forest, building on what you just said, two lands that I really also would love to tap Grist for. Because, <sighs> mm. like, you have this lively, lush, chaotic forest and this super dark swamp. And that's just everything Grist is to me. It's true. And that is all we have for this week. We hope you have enjoyed listening as much as we as always have enjoyed recording. And also, I would like to give a thank you to the suggestions that we are getting on future content from our listeners in the Discord server. It's really, really good good feedback for us and we are receiving it actively. You can, you can count on that. If you like this here podcast and want to support us in a quick and easy manner you can tell a friend that they should listen to this paper legacy podcast and another thing you can do that helps a lot is to rate us in whichever podcast machine you use to listen to us because not only will that highlight us in the same podcast machine it helps us on other metrics and analytics and and whatever so it's um 
if you feel that we are worth five stars or whatever the, the metric is used, uh, please do so. If you want to talk more with us or suggest more future content, you can come join the Discord server. There's a link in the episode description. And in addition to Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter at STHLM Legacy, Stockholm Legacy. We are also personally present on some social media. Christopher, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at MonolithMTG. And you can find me on Disco Drogo. And when Robin gets back, he's going to tell you that he is actually also now on Twitter and give you his handle. And that is the end of the 55th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Gustav Rikström. It's always nice. Warm thanks to you for listening. Very brave to stay till the end. The great Frenes has written our music and you can find their work on Spotify. And until the next episode, ask not what Legacy can do for you, but what you can do for Legacy.